What's up everyone, Amir here, and I'd love to welcome you all to another episode of Bigger Than Our Dreams. Each week, myself and Yanni tackle discussions around body image, sexuality, and how we interpret signals from society that can invalidate our dreams. If you'd like to support us, you can head over to amirstayfly.com or yanniblue.com to listen to music, purchase merch, and learn more about us. If you'd like to send us any questions or be a guest on future episodes, you can shoot us an email at biggerthanourdreams at gmail.com. That's bigger with two eyes. Thank you so much for listening. Five, four, three, two. <laughs> What's going You're on? You're so unserious. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, I'm ready. All right. Um, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to our Bigger Than Our Dreams conversation. My name is Yanni Blue. And my name is Amir, also known as Tariq Carroll. Yes, yes, yes. And this will be a discussion that we're having centered around our new single, Can't Compete, aka the Fat Liberation Anthem of 2022 and beyond. Yes. <laughs> yes. This record was produced by uh, Amir and inspired by his work as Tariq Carroll for the Everyman Project. Um, I started the writing on this record after falling in love with the work. And um, I'm honored to bring it to this stage where we'll be releasing it together on November 18th. Yes. Um, and we'll be having discussions just centered around being plus size men in the entertainment industry and how we navigate the different signals that we receive from the world telling us that we're too big for our dreams. Right. Awesome. We're not too big for our dreams. <laughs> I want to quickly, uh, well, I want to get into an introduction portion because um, our brother over here has some explaining to do. Who are you? Who am I? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Hi, everybody. Uh, most of you know me as Tariq Carroll, but um, a lot of you know I am a multi-hyphenate bad bitch. Um, I do multiple things. Um, I am not only a photographer, I am a fat liberation activist um and now you all are getting to know me as a recording artist um music producer I have been in this space now relatively for the past like three years quietly for two years just really experimenting and having fun and honestly over the pandemic was when I really got to really lean in and like really create because let's be honest like the world <laughs> still in shambles but 2020 was a, a very scary place and um I really needed something to really kind of sink my teeth into because photography was kind of you know a done deal at that point uh, there were no shoots going on and I needed to do something to kind of get my mind off the current state of the world so I really leaned all the way into music production and um having a lot of fun with that and 2020 I produced some records for my friend Irby who's a Atlanta-based uh singer-songwriter I produced uh, three records with him. And then um, I also produced a few records for this artist, uh, King Nico, who's based, I think he's based here now, but he's from, um, he's from, where is he from? He's from uh, Mississippi. So we did some really cool songs together. And from there, I started to play, uh, play around a bit with songwriting um, as a rapper. And it took me a while to get really comfortable <laughs> with showcasing that and, and, um, and really sharing that with people because I have such a respect for the craft as a fan of hip hop 
as a fan of all genres of music, but hip hop, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, Lil' Kim and Biggie are like my two main idols. So I have such a huge respect for the, the craft that I didn't want to be out here with some shitty ass bars. There's enough people doing that. And, um, you know, I had to do my homework and I had to um, become more comfortable with trusting my ideas. So now here we are as Amir, um, which is, you know, my middle name. Uh, and it's always a name that I said I would use as a musician because I always loved my middle name. And um, my parents blessed me with with really two awesome names. Uh, Tariq and Amir are both Arabic names. Uh, Tariq is the is a star uh, in the sky in the Quran, and Amir means prince. So, uh, you know, my my parents set me up really nice. <laughs> and um, my mom wanted to name me Amir, and um. I said, well, if I ever do music, I'm going to use Amir as my uh, artist name. And it's a part of me. And Amir, the separation is Amir is a bit more bold than Tariq is. He's a bit more brazen. He's a bit more in your face. Amir might be a bit more aggressive, more braggadocious, more brooding. Um, he's the dark angel version of Tariq. And he says all the shit that Tariq doesn't feel comfortable saying. So yes. that's really, really a separation. And um creating a mirror really allows me to create a, a character where I can really get into a space where I can be more fearless. So in many ways, uh, a mirror uh, really encourages Tariq to be his most authentic self. So it's kind of how they both kind of work together. I love that. I love that. And, and so that means going forward, when it comes to this music shit, we are talking to a mirror. You're and talking to a mirror. No, I love that you told that story because it actually inspires me to tell story behind my names i don't think i've ever told anybody what yanni blue is <laughs> but, i don't even know <laughs> um well my real name is john and friends call me johnny and uh when i started making music it was johnny blue blue is my favorite color but if you had asked me at the time at 21 22 i would have gave you the fakest deepest explanation about the blue and the ocean and the sky or some shit i just i took this way too serious for a long time and um that's you by 25, I crashed and burned all of my bridges and was getting ready to like restart because I was making music from such a aggressive space where I wasn't enjoying it. And I decided stepping back in that I wanted a name that I can define. And Yanni Blue just sounded funny. It was spelt cool. I'm a big fan of cartoons. So I just always imagined him like a Adventure Time character or Steven Universe, like a knight like or something. That. Yeah, and it, it really, like you said, something you aspire to. Yanni Blue is... A lighter version of me a a more malleable more just animated um and it has given me the strength to step into this world as a recording artist which wasn't what I initially stepped out uh, set out to do so um there is a lot of beauty behind these names they mean a lot to us so I'm glad you shared your story because I, I never I just realized I never shared mine <laughs> so Listen. what better place than here yes uh, why not <laughs> uh, but yeah so Amir, yes, I met Amir, the producer, right after meeting Tariq Carroll, the photographer, because I was just like, I love this work. I want to work with this guy. And uh, you sent me production. And at the time, I was a professional songwriter working through this industry, um, just not enjoying the work anymore, not feeling fulfilled, not feeling seen, not feeling heard. Um, so to connect with you at the time that I did was kismet because we, we definitely aligned in what we want to talk about and how. And um, Can't Compete was one of the first songs that ideas that I sent you. It was in the first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. 
So it's it's uh, it's actually really beautiful to get to this point and and have this record coming out because it, it kind of encompasses everything that we've wanted to do up until this point. The, cra the crazy part is, y'all might not notice, but I didn't even really want to step into, fully step into rapping because I didn't feel fully comfortable at all. But this man right here really um, uh, pushed me to trust my own ideas. So, so here we are. <laughs> the bars was Barzin. The bars was Barzin. Um, so you can't, there's too many bad rappers out here. We got to encourage the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, friend. <laughs> Let's get into it real quick. I wanna, I wanna. We started off a little, a little heavy with our names, which I still love. But um, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday. It's, I think so. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> friend, what, what Britney Spears album are you feeling like today? Oh gosh. Okay, so I thought about, I thought about this yesterday. I was feeling like a different Britney Spears album today. You know, I think it's circus, circus. Yeah. Circus. 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 I'm feeling like <laughs> I think I might be living in a blackout phase today. Okay. 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 It was raining this morning, so it made me a little just a little depressed. So it's giving blackout. Because now I feel like okay. a bad bitch depressed. So <laughs> I am today. Uh, uh, I'm at circus, so I'm I'm figuring some shit out. <laughs> But I'm on display. Right, more, I'm, 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 prop me up, baby. <laughs> oh, shit. I should have said that. Oh, God. I'm going to cut that out. I'm going to cut that out. Free Britney. Um, all right, let's, let's get into it, because I know we could ramble. Um, obviously, the point of this conversation is, is to just encourage other people that have been othered by the world to talk and step yeah. into the And with this first record, our real audience is just other plus size men of color who have been out here behind the scenes killing it or not even maybe they haven't even given themselves authority to step into their dreams because somebody told them they were too big so um we have some questions here that we wanted to ask each other and eventually extend to our audience so i wanted to pose the first one to you amir and i wanted to know if there was a time that you remember existing in this world before you knew you were too big oh um so very long ago <laughs> always always been a little chunky a little chunky kid but i've always been super tall always had a high voice and um i hated all of that um now i embrace it but um i think as a kid i was really a fucking space cadet i wanted to be something different every five minutes um uh, I remember first I waited to be a, a train driver like my dad. I waited to be just like him. Um, I used to like study subway maps and shit. Like, you know, I still have a pretty good like memory of like where everything is. Um, was really fascinated by that. And then um, once I kind of discovered music, um, I thought, okay, maybe this is what I want to do. And, um, you know, I became such a huge fan of just pop music, R&B. I think the first album I actually bought was a Brandy album, Never Say Never, with my own like allowance money. And um, that kind of just opened up a world for me where I just became obsessed with like studying like song lyrics and like liner notes and fig figuring out who the who produced this, who produced that, not knowing that was what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, because, you know, I grew up with my mom, who's an educator. And my dad, who was train operator, so you know, both with city jobs. You know, my parents come from a generation where 
you go out and you get a, a real job. So um, even graduating from high school, I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had I had no clue, but I knew I wanted to be uh, an artist. And um, the the first artist that I really got fully exposed to that connected with was David LaChapelle. And um, he did music videos, photography, album covers, and the whole nine. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's go into graphic design and and photography. Let's figure this out. And I always always tended to choose the the jobs that okay, this can make sense. I could be behind the scenes. This could work instead of maybe you want to be the artist. Maybe you want to be in the forefront. And um, for me, I, I typically always have a habit. Something I'm working through in my own uh, spiritual work is I'll reject myself from a situation before it rejects me. So survival, um, a survival mechanism. Yeah, it's a survival mechanism. So even in working, getting into photography and working with artists and, um, you know, I've interned at labels. Like I interned at, you know, Def Jam for a hot minute. And um, that was probably the most fun I've had in my life <laughs> for, for a minute. Um, being able to uh, shoot B-roll on music video sets and being behind the scenes with the artists in the studio and taking pictures and being in that world, but not being the artist and always longing to be the artist. And, you know, I wasn't, you know, blessed with the the gift of being able to sing naturally. So I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? Um, and yeah, I would say it took me a while to really get into really doing the wildest shit I ever wanted to do and leaning in and actually like taking action and making this shit happen. But yeah, I would say my earliest memories, it took, it took me a while to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do. And it was always me kind of hiding from my true purpose or kind of like, you know, retreating back and kind of let me just be behind the scenes. And, um, you know, I would say it wasn't until the last like maybe three, four or five years I've started to really become more comfortable and embrace who the fuck I am. So, yeah. Wow. I feel that. I feel that. And I feel like so many people can relate to that that journey and that trajectory. Um, I was, I have a younger sister now, but we were 10 years apart. So I had that first 10 years on my own with my mama. I was the only child with a single mother. And um, she let me really just dream and go wild. So there was a while that I just, I didn't have that perspective from the world that I was too big, you know? I didn't even know what it meant to, to, to you know, only have dreams that boys are supposed to have because I was allowed to dream for everything. And I, I grew up in the 90s. I loved Whitney and Mariah and Boyz II Men and Brian McKnight. So I just knew I loved singing. I knew I loved being loud, the center of attention. Um, so those were my dreams early on before I started to see how the world saw me. It was around maybe seven or eight that I started to hear things like, you know, boys don't sing Whitney Houston songs. Mm. Boy, you too big to be singing. I grew up in Virginia. Boy, you too mm. big to be to go play football. You need to pick up a football. Ooh, I got that too. I definitely got that too. I, I definitely got that too. Kid, I, I had a little bit of like what you said, the uh, sort of, I would retreat myself before because we're it's, it's survival, right? Some people yeah. just know when something's going to hurt their feelings and they retreat. Um, so I learned early on to just retreat. And I remember like even at, 15 when I first started songwriting and singing and my first little boyfriend telling me like you can't sing but then he was singing on his voicemail so I was like girl you just jealous but at the time I didn't know any better I was just like I guess I can't sing hater and going to the studios and just kind of continuing to be relegated pushed to the back because I wasn't the strongest vocalist I was the youngest I wasn't the most uh conventionally attractive as far as like being skinny or 
fitting the mold. And this is like the glory days of like Usher, Chris Brown. Mm. Like those guys. Um, everybody luckily, had six packs. Everybody had six packs. But then I was also seeing people like The Dream getting through and James Fauntleroy. And though seeing those people gave me some hope to understand that like, oh, I can be valued in this world. I can, I can do something special. But I still internalize the idea of like, you know, kind of stay yeah. to the to the back, stay to the back. Like I always had the the thought in my head, like I have to change like everything who I am to become like a, a pop star or like a rapper. And yeah. um well, because, I'm, yeah, I'm skinny. Exactly. Exactly. And and from from being behind the scenes, you know, like I said, as a photographer, like a lot of my friends were like industry models who had been working, you know, for a long time. And one of my close friends, um he was a model for Ford Models. And um, and you look at this man, like, this man is built like a Greek god. You know what I mean? But, you know, he had thick thighs. He had broad shoulders. And, like, to see how his agency would kind of, like, rip him apart and be like, okay, well, you're too big to fit for runway. Your shoulders are too big for Hugo Boss. And I'm looking at him, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm like, well, damn, if this is how he's being perceived and, and, and this is the type of crit critique he's getting then I wouldn't stand a chance in any of these spaces in entertainment. So let me just play my position in the back behind the scenes. I felt the same way. I felt the same way. And I, and especially when I got to Los Angeles and specifically when I saw the way the women were treated, it was even worse. Cause it was just like some way worse vocalists, some beautiful women who just didn't fit the exact mold that somebody wanted and just have their careers, their, their, uh, their dreams crushed. Mm -hmm. I saw that in real time and I was just like, wait a minute. No, that we have to push back against this because like we all have something to contribute. But I didn't know that I can that I can add to that conversation in any way. I still thought that my job was just to be in the background. Like I didn't know how I didn't know that my journey can help somebody else kind of combat that. Cause like you said, I mean you're looking at somebody who you're perceiving to have it better than you, still having it tough. So it's like what yeah. what chance do I have? Right? Yeah. 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 What were, I know I mentioned um, some of my heroes, like The Dream, Fauntleroy, Missy Elliott, shout out to Missy, who all kind of gave me hope as just somebody who was a little bit left of center, a little bit larger. Who, if anybody, stood out to you in those darker moments that gave that helped you keep hope? It was, I mean, it was Missy for me, honestly. Like, and it's, it's still Missy for me because Missy is a trailblazer. And Missy came out of the gate doing the unexpected from like, being in the the damn garbage bag and shit in, in the video and like sitting on the hill with the the bangs and like using the fish islands, which like would make her appear bigger in some cases. Like Missy didn't give a fuck. And she, I mean, at least that's it. I don't know what she, what she may have dealt with or pressure she dealt with internally. I'm sure she has stories, but like from how I viewed her, like I viewed her as this like confident, bold, woman who just really just stepped out and like yo this is who i am this music is its own pocket and seeing her as like a plus size woman and like owning owning all of that shit and just like existing and like killing it and being so talented and um it was i mean it was really missy for me because it really wasn't anyone else really you know missy was definitely a trailblazer and somebody who every time that my mind told me i needed to look like usher or chris brown I would always remember like, well, nah, Missy did it. And um, the same thing for The Dream, like I said, even though The Dream, 
he just he didn't look like those guys you know he looked no regular dude you know um but he that that pen you couldn't deny that pen and he gave that me a lot of was crazy he didn't sound like them either you know but he's still his own type of singer he's his own great singer so that really inspired me yeah and the thing about them both is like they both had to work extremely hard to even yeah. be noticed because they visually don't don't fit that mold and i think that that is a pressure that that tends to to lay on us. It's like, we have to be so good. We can't be mediocre, you know? Right. Which is why I've, I'm still consistently hard on myself um, because I know that I have to be so good to even fucking stand out. And that's still really a reality of, of what it is right now. And, you know, it's like a lot of people, they have they have the access and freedom to, to be mediocre. We, we unfortunately, we don't. <laughs> on the flip side of that you'll notice that every time somebody who is othered is finally empowered not only are they exceptional but they're they're spe it's different in a great yeah. way Dream of great yeah. because yeah. because missy couldn't run with the marys and the the kims specifically like on their level she had to make her own world and it was exceptional yeah. because yeah. you could not dance like chris brown and sing like usher he had to crop carve his own lane where now they got to come to him for what yeah. he's yeah. that inspired me um i also want to shout out james fontleroy too even though mm -hmm. always kind of played the background he is one of those exceptional talents that was so massive behind the scenes that you, you felt his influence on the mainstream yeah. he gave me a lot of hope too because he's a big dude he's a bit of a nerd and he is one of the top songwriters in the world and in my opinion yeah. one of the vocalists so he gave me a lot of hope too to just be like yo fuck this let me let me go for my dreams yeah yeah icons when when do you feel like you finally started to reclaim your body and your dreams how did how do you take up space now mm. so for the first half of that question um i think in in doing my doing the work i've been doing for the every project it's i know i know the project has helped a lot of people but you know a lot of people don't realize how much it's helped me um because um being at the forefront of this movement, it's a lot of pressure, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And I had the concept in my, in my head a year before I even started it. And I hesitated for a year to, I hesitated for a whole year before I even started shooting anything. I had it all planned out and I knew in my spirit that it had the potential of, of blowing up. And I knew I would be in the forefront of it. And I was not comfortable with that. I was not comfortable with talking about my struggles. I was not comfortable with talking about my body. And honestly, from having my own experiences and exploring my body, you know, I started to ask myself questions like, okay, do you really love yourself? How do you really feel about yourself? And in asking those questions, I started asking my friends those questions, you know, my other, my other, um, you know, other, other queer men, those questions. And I found that we all kind of suffered from the same pain silently and um, women have always been ahead. You know, fems have always been way ahead. And, um, you know, I, I realized that, you know, a lot of fems and women, they, they were creating spaces in the body positivity movement to speak out. And there was really nothing for, for men and um, in doing the work for every man and hearing everyone else's stories and doing castings and seeing that I wasn't wasn't alone, I wasn't the only one, and just really changing, really, it, it really goes to show you too, the people who you keep around you as well, you know, 
really, <laughs> really sets the tone for how you see yourself. So I had to, you know, change some shit around. <laughs> and um, I really have a, yeah, really, really, I really have like a beautiful tribe that really encourages me to be my most authentic self. And I think in doing that and then healing therapy, all of that stuff has really kind of helped me to kind of feel a lot more comfortable in myself than than I used to be. I love that. I love that. I feel like my journey really started with releasing music. I have always found ways to make myself comfortable with the things that made me uncomfortable. And what I mean by that is like, I just, I took the signals and worked around them. Like, you're not the artist. Okay, I'm the songwriter. You're not the vocalist. Okay, I'll just cut backgrounds. Like I kept pushing myself. I kept moving the the, the goalposts. You kept so making when yourself I, smaller. Yes. So when I started releasing music, I literally didn't want my face on the cover. I didn't want mm. to shoot. Like I thought, I thought, but I thought I was being cool. Like I'm gonna do this really alternative R&B because I thought that lane would be more accepting of me. I'll be out of the picture. I'll be out of the 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 visual. And what I started noticing by that was I I literally started to feel that that smallness that I created for myself. And in connecting with people as an artist, and you know this because you were one of my biggest experiences of this. Um, them meeting me and saying like, "Wow, you're so much brighter." and bolder than this music and that's mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. my music. we've had those um, talks yeah but i had been shrinking and it makes a lot of sense because a lot of those songs were demos for other people i wasn't showing up as yanni blue i was just showing up to write and cut and if i sounded okay on it it gave me enough confidence to put it out but it wasn't there wasn't a real connection gotcha so in those moments i had to understand specifically coming into this project with you and just coming out of my album which i, I worked on my album for four years coming on the other side of it and realizing like, okay, whatever I do next needs to really be me. I need to show up for myself. And part of that was showing up for, you know, taking ownership of my body and owning, you know, my whole self, being okay at looking at myself in pictures, being okay speaking and, and realizing that a lot of that shrinking that I did was just a symptom of me feeling like the world doesn't want to see this big Dominican guy singing R&B music. <laughs> they want me at an office or on a field or... <laughs> No, baby, we need to see you. To be seen. We need to see you. So I thank you for your work on the Everyman Project because that really did inspire me on this journey and making this music with you, I think would be my, really my moment where I began to reclaim my body. I've been reclaiming my dreams for a little bit longer than that, but reclaiming my body, taking ownership of it, being okay with the space that I do take up has been within the last year. Wow. And I, I thank you as well for, for one, encouraging me to to trust my own ideas because, you know, we've had our own own talks and, you know, we we both come from, you know, very similar backgrounds and, and being the background and making other people look good, you know, and even in being the producer, you know, and producing records for other artists. And you kind of reminded me like, yo, you really need to kind of lean in and, and, and be about what you speak about and, and step in the forefront and really own who you are and rap on these records because you're good at it. And, and it took me a while to own that. But now I can say like, yeah, I'm a pretty fucking nice rapper and I could rip a lot of you bitches up. Huh. But, you know, no, and we ain't cutting that out. Um, <laughs> but I can say that now comfortably. And, and I have to thank you for that. I appreciate that. I received that. I received that. Um, as we wrap up, the, the, the big theme again for this this conversation, this talks, this this rollout is the idea of dreaming big and taking up space. So we've been trying to coin the coin the term "dream big" with two eyes because yes. it's two. God damn it! 
Um, so as we as we pass this off to our guests and our listeners, I want them to know our definition of dream big. So what what does that mean for you? Um, dreaming big means manifesting from a space that is entirely boundless. Um, and tapping into a knowing that it's gonna happen no matter what. And 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 putting the actionable steps behind it to make it happen for yourself, no matter how delusional you may think your dreams are. But like, honestly, like you do have to be a bit delusional to manifest because not every day someone be blows up and becomes a, a international pop star. You know what I mean? So it's like, you have to be delusional. You have to, you have to believe the shit. And um, I think that's what dreaming big means for me. It's like, what are you, what is what is where are your wildest dreams and why can't you have it? You know what I mean? And and really leaning in, asking yourself, why can't I have it? Okay, you can have it. Okay, what what steps do I need to take to make it happen? And um, that's what now now at at, thir- at the age that I am, I'm not gonna, I'm 35. Shit, I'll say it. Fuck it. Ah, I look. Just- fuck it. I look good. <laughs> Come on, 35. Fuck it, I look good. Um, okay. Y'all wish I looked this good at 35. Right. Um, no, at 35, that's my response um, to, to what dreaming big means. Because now that I'm older, I'm realizing that it's not just enough to dream big. Part of dreaming big is putting the action behind it. Yeah. Yep. I would have so to we, we just got a notification. We got 10 minutes. I mean, we're about to wrap up. Um okay. for me, dreaming big is finally being okay taking up space. It is mm-hmm. understanding what I'm capable of. It's aligning that with what I want and really letting go of where I'm coming from. You know, really mm. let that go that in the past and really so- uh, soldiering forward. Uh, like you said earlier, I was creating from a place of shrinking. Um and just being big, being bold, take big swings. You've said a few times in these in our last couple of talks, uh, just jumping off the cliff, jumping off the mountain. Jump um, off the cliff. Jump off the fucking cliff. You're gonna Got fuck to. around. You're gonna find out. You gotta fuck around and find out. <laughs> Honestly, the dream, that's the dream big right there. We fucking around and we're finding out. And with absolutely, with no, the more no, the more you fuck around, the more you find out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's the that's the soundbite right there. That's the yeah. TikTok. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, dream big dream big for me is is the is the thesis of where I'm at right now in life just bold big broad brawn brawn the fucking world I'm just swinging at everything the world throws at me period bitch I've been brawn here I want to thank you for having this talk with me I know we got a few now you tried to come for me baby girl but you can't compete where you don't Compare. The queen is back. Yan, the big boy Don. Tougher than a tonka dipping Teflon. Cover till that bitches rockin' Telfar. You ain't fucking with us, then you deaf dumb. These hoes on my tip, I'm prepared. Pop up on the block, got them shook and scared. Get my angles right so I hit the glare. No way jumping like guys, make them stop and stare. Y'all hoes can't compete where you can't compare. You can't compete where you can't compare. You can't compete where you can't compare. You can't compete, you can't compete. I said you can't compete where you can't compare. You can't compete where you can't compare. You can't compete where you can't compare. Oh, category closed I sweep them all when I sweep the floor
swag killer everywhere Yeah, this for the boys feeling bra This for the boys with the bass like a trunk This for the boys that was told they was washed But came back with the splash, now you hoes need a vibe Yo, turn up, turn up, turn down Sweet face, fatty, got that round and brown I hit like Kenny and I smoke like loud Smooth like cherry, got the cake by the pound Y'all yeah. hoes can't compete when you can't compare You can't compete when you can't compare You can't compete when you can't compare You can't compete, you can't compete I said you can't compete when you can't compare again for joining us today as always you can head over to our site to show support shoot us an email and learn more about our guest liking and rating this episode is also really beneficial for us new episodes every friday y'all continue to dream big and we'll catch you on the next one